Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello everyone. Welcome to Parenthood Friday. So good to be with you. Hey, if you live in Melbourne, guys, I'm coming your way. If you are interested in coming along to a parenting seminar, it's just going for half a day on Saturday, June the 3rd. I'm going to be in the Dandenong area. Um, I'll pop the details up on my social media or you can DM me if you're interested. But um, yeah, if you're in Melbourne, there you go. I know a lot of you listen and like to know if I'm speaking in your part of town. All right. So today, last episode on the Boundaries Collection. Uh, I think this is episode number four. Um, I've kind of been hitting up boundaries from a lot of different angles because it is one of the most important uh, values that we, um, that I think, or that I have personally parented with. So today I want to give you 10, 10 ways that you can establish boundaries. So make sure that you go back to the first uh, episode that we did in this collection so that you can kind of come on the journey uh, with us. But yet again, just to reiterate how important boundaries are, I was reading an article by a psychologist who said that in a permissive environment, so we're talking the complete opposite to boundary setting, but in a permissive environment, children actually rebel because they feel anger toward their parents for a lack of guidelines. That was said by a psychologist who is advocating for boundaries. So I've talked about all of the areas we need to have boundaries, why we need to have boundaries. Last week, I gave you a handy little tip on what to do when your children start losing control, self-control, and you know that they are going to definitely be pushing boundaries any second. And guys, it was so cute. Some of you sent me uh, photos or told me stories of how your child was about to lose it. And um, the cutest one was a picture that someone sent me of their little girl with their hands folded, walking along behind mum and dad because she was practicing having self-control. I love it. I love it when you're finding all of these little um, tips super helpful. So today we're going to get practical and talk about 10 ways to establish these different kinds of boundaries. And remember, we're not just talking about, you know, a few rules at home. We're talking about boundaries uh, verbally, boundaries with their um, their material things, boundaries when they're out the house, in the house, inside, outside, all sorts of boundaries, boundaries with time. So this is just extending into every single area of their lives. Okay, so number one, you as the parent must be trustworthy. That is the first non-negotiable when it comes to setting boundaries. You and I have to be trustworthy because our kids need to know that they can count on us, which means we have to be consistent, which means saying what we mean and meaning what we say. If we don't do that, children soon lose trust in us and it becomes a very unpredictable 
environment for them to live when we keep changing the goalposts. So we have to say what we mean, mean what we say, back up our words with actions. Because every time that we say one thing and allow another, we are breaking trust with our child. And I'm telling you, they might not be able to verbalize it, but they will know it and then they will act accordingly. So if you say, for example, if you do that one more time, you're going into your room and they do it one more time and you ignore it and you don't put them in their room, guess what? Broken trust. So if you want to know how you will end up with a 14-year-old who thinks that your word is a joke or who thinks that your word and your instructions are an option that they may or may not take up, then just uh, don't follow through when they're four. You're going to hear me say that over and over. If you want them to do well when they're 14, you need to start sewing when they're four. And so this whole being trustworthy, if you are not trustworthy as a parent, you will end up with a child that will rebel. If not now, then later on. Number two, when it comes to establishing boundaries, keep it simple. Don't have a hundred different rules that you're never going to remember. They're never going to remember. You're never going to be able to follow through on all of them because you're just going to set yourself and your children up for a big fail. So keep it pretty simple. Cameron and I never had a big list of rules. We just had a few values that we lived by. And first time obedience, guys, that was our main one. That's why you hear me go on and on and on about first-time obedience, because pretty much first-time obedience, it covers everything because then you can set any boundary and they will know, oh, mum and dad expect me to obey first time without complaint, without whinging, without whining. So rather than expecting them to remember a hundred rules, we would just instruct them with our expectations as we went. So we kept it pretty simple, but they knew the one thing that was completely non-negotiable was first time obedience. Okay. So just with this whole boundaries thing, I know that I listed a lot of different areas to set up boundaries for your children, but we didn't have rules in all of these areas. It was really more simply a matter of, um, over time, we would tell them what our expectations were and they became the boundaries. Our word and what we wanted them to do became the boundaries. And then their job, their one job was not to remember a hundred rules. Their one job was to adhere to our first time obedience value. Okay. So that's how you can keep it simple. All right. Number three, be precise. I can't emphasize this enough. Know precisely what you're expecting from your children and communicate that. So for example, when we go to dinner, I expect you to eat all your dinner. Or when we have a play date with Paige, I expect you to help her pack up her toys. So I've talked about this before, giving them verbal instructions because they're not mind readers. They don't know that you want them or expect them to do certain things. And then it's not fair for us to turn around and get angry when they haven't done something that we haven't made clear. So keep it simple, but be really precise. And you will find that as they get older, you can get less and less precise because by then they're going to know what the expectations are. But when they're very little, be very precise and communicate, communicate, communicate with them what you're expecting. Okay, number four, 
involve them. This is a great little key for setting up some boundaries or the, I said before that we didn't have a hundred rules, but there were a few rules that we had. Involve your children um, in setting what these might look like. So say for chores, we did that one together. So we sat down together, we set the list of jobs together, we made the chore chart together. Um, They then chose which chores they wanted to do. So where you can involve them. Um, If, for example, uh, they get a new phone, they're at that age and you agree to give them a phone and they've got a social media account, then rather than you just barking a list of expectations at them, especially as they start to get older, involve them and say, okay, what do you think is fair? Well, we think this is fair and come to a negotiation. Because if they feel like they've been a part of the decision-making process, there's less chance that they're going to rebel against it because guess what? They helped you to formulate that boundary. Number five, visual is powerful. Make some of these boundaries visual. Now, clearly, there's going to be a bunch of boundaries that are not visual, but some can, and it really, really helps. So where you can make something visual, because what that does is it takes the behavior expectation follow through off of you and it puts it on them. It's like, here it is. It's all visual. Now it's your responsibility to follow that. Your job as mum and dad is just to make them accountable to it. So, um, for example, I had a friend whose child really struggled to get himself ready uh, in the morning for school. Now, I know a lot of you are probably going, yes, that's me. And I have talked about a morning routine chart before. Make sure you go back and check out that episode, the morning chart routine, super helpful. But my friend had a, just one, one of her children for the life of him could not get himself ready because he wanted to be on the computer all the time. So she had to set some really clear rules and boundaries. So I said to her, why don't you make it a little bit fun and make it into a bit of a game? I actually set this up for her. I went and got her a key ring and it had a bunch of, we made up a bunch of cards and then we, um, we made, got a hole puncher and we just hole punched the corner of them and we bundled them all onto this key ring so that he then could flick through them. Now, if he wanted to change the order, he could. But each one was an instruction, you know, like make your bed, pack your bag, brush your teeth, get dressed. And then the very last card, if he had done all of that before everyone else was in the car, it was earned computer time. Okay, so that's a really great uh, example of how we can make some rules and boundaries visual and fun. Number six, catch them doing good. Uh, We tend to err on the side of catching them when they're doing something Um, that we don't like, but catch them doing good. And when they are keeping the boundaries, catch them out and tell them. So encourage them. I remember really focusing on doing this a lot. So, you know, you might say, Liam, I saw you packing up your toys without mummy having to remind you. Great job, bud. Or um, you were so polite saying thank you to Nana for having you without me having to remind you what beautiful manners you have. So catch them doing the right thing and let them know they will just feel 10 foot tall when we do that. And what you're doing is positive reinforcement instead of negative reinforcement. Number seven, never undermine the other parent. So this is obviously for people who are parenting with a partner 
I know there might be single mums out here or single dads even um, who are listening. And um, this probably does apply to you, but in a different way. And it can be very, very difficult when you're not living under the same roof to adhere to this one, especially if the other partner is perhaps using your children as punishment to get at you. But if you are living under the same roof, you're, you have a partner, you're parenting together, you're married, make sure you have a united front because kids will work it out pretty quick and they will play one parent off against the other beautifully. So it only took a few times of my children playing Cameron and I off against each other for them to realize, oh, this is not going to work. Because even if for a second I said something, they went to Cameron and he didn't know what I said and he said something else, we soon worked out what happened and then boom, they got in trouble. So if kids can find a crack in the armor, they will exploit it. And it's really not fair on mum if dad's a walkover and then the kids can just get whatever they want or vice versa. So make sure that you've got a united front. And on those few times where they do play you off, let them know that you guys know and you caught them out and that it's not acceptable. And then of course you can start saying things like, well, what did dad say or what did mum say? We would often do that. Number eight on setting boundaries, consequences must follow when boundaries are crossed. Okay. So we talked about catch them doing good things and encourage them. But when you catch them crossing the boundaries, consequences have to follow every time. If there are no consequences, then there is no motivation for them to respect your boundaries. So this is a part two of building trustworthiness, right? Like if you set a boundary, but yet you never follow up when it's broken, they're not going to take you seriously. You're just going to shred any little bit of trust. So the other thing when it comes to consequences that really helped me was try to make the consequence natural. In other words, try and make the, for want of a better word, try and make the punishment fit the crime. So if they haven't cleaned their room, the punishment, um, you know, you might go, right, well, I'm taking pocket money away. But instead, try and think of more of a natural consequence like, well, guess what? You're going to be cleaning your room tonight while the family's doing something fun. That's a consequence that is uh, makes more much more sense and the punishment is fitting the crime, so to speak. Or if, for example, they've used bad language rather than, you know, giving them a time out, you could go, right, well, you're sitting at the table right now and you're going to look up five good words that you can use and I want you to write them down with the definition. I know that is such a teacher consequence, but my kids do get very teacher consequences. But basically, the more you get the consequence to fit the crime, it just makes more sense to them and it will just help them to uh, to learn at a deeper, more moral level what they did was wrong. All right, number nine, this is easier said than done, but I'm going to say it and I'm going to try and help you to find a way to do this. You need to stay calm and not react. Now, I learned this pretty quickly when I first started teaching because, of course, I'd been in a lot of classrooms where the teachers would just rant and rave and shout. And when I was very young, I just turned 19. Sorry, I I was 19, almost turning 20. My first lot of um, children that I taught were year three. And the first few times they really frustrated me and didn't listen to me, I remember shouting. 
and it didn't really do an awful lot. And I remember very early on going, I need to make a choice right now. I can be that teacher. I can be the shouting teacher, or I can be the teacher that finds the other way, another way. And I did. And it was the same with parenting. Now, that's not to say that I didn't lose the plot sometimes. I didn't raise my voice at my kids and become a ranting mother every now and then because I did. But um, as best I could, I remember saying to myself, right, I would self-talk. I'd be like, you're not going to raise your voice. You're not going to get mad. You're just going to calmly give them two choices. And if they don't take the choice, then they get the consequence. So the reason you can stay calm when you set boundaries is because you've got a plan. Okay. Your plan is, this is what I expect. And this is what will happen if you don't do it. So there's no need then for the ranting and the raving. And I would even say that to my kids, I'm not going to rant and rave at you. I'm not going to raise my voice. But the reason I was saying it to them was actually to remind myself that I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get mad right now. Uh, Another thing that's helpful is just keep a neutral face expression. Keep your voice very low and soft. Sometimes the angrier I was, the quieter I'd let my voice, I'd take my voice down too. And um, believe me, that's a very powerful thing. Mum and dad start to get quiet instead. The kids are like, oh heck, what's wrong? And the other powerful thing to do, so we've got neutral face expression, keep your voice low, and then bend down to their level. Get down low next to them rather than standing over them and get them to look you in the eye. I would say to my children, look mummy in the eye, please. Can you hear it? Can you hear that authority, guys? Look mummy in the eye. So I'd get down to their level. I'd look at them. Look me in the eye. I'm not going to shout and rant and rave at you right now, but I just asked you to pack up your toys and you didn't do what I asked you to do. So now, and then whatever the consequence would be. So it might be, you now are going to go and pack up your toys and then you're going to go and sit on your bed for three minutes or whatever it is. Okay. See, no ranting, raving, cool, calm, collected. You've got the expectation. You've uh, got the consequence. So just stay calm. It's far more effective and it saves your nerves. And number 10, the last one is this. Kids actually learn from struggling. Just remember that when you're setting these boundaries, kids actually learn from the struggle because of course they're going to want to push these boundaries. When you set a rule or boundary, you're not doing it to try and make them happy. You're doing it because you know what's best for them. And they might have a hard time with one or two or more of your rules or boundaries. And guess what? They're going to have trouble with the teacher's boundaries sometimes at school. And they're going to have trouble with boundaries that they don't like at work. And guess what? They might even have trouble with some of the boundaries that God sets for them in his word. But if our children learn that they only respond well to boundaries that they agree with, then they're going to have a much harder time in life. So just remember that struggle is actually a blessing. That struggle is building character and resilience, and you are giving them a life tool that is going to see them in good stead for the rest of their life, no matter where they are, even when it ends up being in their own marriage and their own family. So let me just go through those 10 again, 10 ways to establish boundaries. Firstly, you must be trustworthy. Secondly, keep it simple. Thirdly, 
be precise and communicate that. Number four, involve them where you can. Number five, make some of them visual, takes the heat off you. Number six, catch them out doing good and and tell them so. Number seven, don't undermine the other parent. Number eight, a consequence must follow when the boundaries crossed. Number nine, stay calm and don't react. And number 10, remember they learn from the struggle. So that, guys, concludes our um, boundaries collection. So I hope that that has helped you a little bit. And I would say that boundaries is probably one of the top values that Cameron and I parented by, and it really did see us in good stead. And, um, you know, you will find yourself having to really um, reinforce these a lot more when they're younger. And then as they get a little bit older, a little bit older, a little bit older, you'll find that you can start to, um, you know, release the authority levels a little bit, still keep the expectations, and you'll find that your children will still function within the boundaries because by then it becomes a part of their value system and their moral compass also. So I hope this collection has helped you guys. Um, And don't forget if you are in Melbourne on June the 3rd, did I say? 4th? 3rd? I can't remember now. Whatever the Saturday is, the 3rd, I think, um, I will be there in Melbourne for a half-day parenting seminar. Guys, thank you for joining me. I uh, I love you all very much. Um, Have a beautiful, blessed week. And I will see you either next Wednesday or on Friday. Until then, have a great one. Bye.